Bless Doing, episode 112, with Dean Jackson of the I Love Marketing podcast. Welcome to the Less Doing podcast. Less Doing, more living, more living, more living, more living. Hi, I'm Ari Mizell, and this is the Art of Less Doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast, episode 112 with Dean Jackson. So, Dean is an awesome speaker. He's an awesome marketing guy. He's the other half of the I Love Marketing Podcast with Joe Polish. And he will be one of the speakers at the big event in May that we're putting on. And I'm trying not to make it too obtrusive, but we are going to have to mention this live event uh, in a lot of these podcasts now because it is such a big one. So uh, the live event is coming up May 1st through 3rd, and it's at lessdoinglive.com. And the best thing about it is that you can go there and sign up for a free one-hour coaching call with one of my Less Doing Certified Coaches. Yes, we have those. And then in that call, you're also going to get to hear about the event and see if you are a good fit or not. But regardless, you're going to get some actionable stuff that you can work on right away. So check out lessdoinglive.com and you will get to see speakers like Dave Asprey, Ben Greenfield, Joe Polish, and Dean Jackson. How are you doing, Felix? Yeah, doing well, man. How are you doing? Doing really well. Uh, it's really freezing cold but this is a it's the it's the holidays so uh there's there's like a plus and a minus i feel like so first of all for uh for those who celebrate hanukkah happy belated hanukkah i should have mentioned that last time and for those who are celebrating christmas this episode will release on christmas morning i think actually so you can listen to less doing me and felix while you're opening your presents with your kids at 4 30 in the morning yeah i'm sure the kids will really appreciate that yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah. Anyway, we got some cool stuff to talk about today. The first one is there is a service. It's a pharmacy, actually, and it's called Pill Pack. Now, I am not uh, taking any prescription medicine anymore, but lots of people do take many, and I was taking a lot for a long time. And we've talked about Vitamins on Demand before, which is that service that will send you prepackaged things of supplements that you like and that you want to create certain mixes of. So it makes it really easy if you're taking you know, five, six, even a dozen different kinds of pills. You don't have to have all those bottles. You can have a custom-made prepackaged version. This is the same thing for prescription medicine. It's really cool. It's called Pill Pack, and basically it, it doesn't cost anything. It's just you pay your normal monthly copay. They deal with your prescriptions. They'll deal with automatically, ref, you know, dealing with refills, warning you when you're going to be low. And what you get is you get these prepackaged things that have the time on them and the day and everything. So you have, you know, your Monday at 8 a.m., pill pack and it's got the the three drugs in it that you need to take and again this is prescription medicine so if you are taking a lot of prescription meds this is a really convenient way to manage the whole thing and it's great for travel if you're going away for seven days you don't have to pre you know organize the pills you can just grab off seven packs and you're you're good to go it's a really great service and a great offering that's really clever yeah i didn't yeah, and know about that it Especially for people who are getting older, and, and 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 I'm not completely anti-prescription meds either. In case anyone's thinking that, like there are certain prescription medicines that you really need. And and for me personally, I was taking 16 different pills a day at one point. Oh, and that's different. So 16 so, different so, so they they basically sort the pills into into daily things. Is that right? Yeah, and well, and 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 even if, if you're taking really... things multiple times a day, it even has morning and afternoon and yeah, evening and right, stuff. Yeah, right, right. Oh, that's so, brilliant. 
I've it really is. in the UK because actually my dad would really benefit from that. Yeah. Because at the moment my oh. mum like goes and like prepares his pill package because he had some heart issues. Um, but um, that's really cool. I really like the sound of that one. Yeah. I think it's, it's look at that. Yeah. And it's the only one that I know that's doing it too. And it's interesting because I feel like it's a, it's one of those niches that, that really people could benefit from a lot. Uh, and like, again, what I was, so what I was saying is I was taking 16 pills a day at one point and I got off, almost all of them. And then the last one that I couldn't get off of was Prilosec, uh, which is for uh, acid indigestion, which I ended up figuring out with uh, garlic supplements of all things. But my point is that, you know, there definitely is a place for prescription meds, even if it's a temporary thing to get you to be able to fix things on your own or, and sometimes it's not. So uh, this is a, a very, very good solution for staying organized and not forgetting either, you know, because that's a, that's another issue, by the way, you know, is that you open a, a pill bottle and you, may, and you take a pill and then maybe you forget. It's not like you can just go back and look at the bottle. Yeah, it's case, really good. That is true. That's really yeah. handy. Yeah. So in this case, if the pills, if the package is open, you took your meds. Hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So there, this is a cool one. I'm not, I mean, I understand what the use is, but I feel like there's some cool use for this that, that uh, you may have a thought on actually. So it's called Tunity. And, Basically, you can scan any TV and hear it on your phone in real time. And so basically, wow. yeah, I know. So this is pretty interesting. So one is like you're at a gym, right? And they have TVs. You mm -hmm. hold your phone up to the screen. It recognizes what's on and then you can hear it through your headphones. Um, same thing if you're at a bar watching a football game or something. Or You can't see the picture on your phone, obviously. No, you can't see it. You just hear it. Wow. But that's kind of interesting, you know, like, so it, if amazing. you're at a bar yeah. and you want to really hear the game that's on TV and, and I have no idea how they do this or how they've like gotten that kind of content streaming through there. But oh, and, and you probably, do they have to even hear the TV or do you? Could no, you, no, no, no. It's getting the image. Oh, that's really clever. Because a lot of the times they just have it muted. They might have it that's muted. That's the point, yeah. It, yeah. Pretty amazing. Wow. That is, that's blow your mind cool. Yeah, so I think, I, I think it is a really cool technology, and, and there is a cool use for it because there's definitely going to be those times. I mean, or maybe you're in an airport, you know, and there's a random TV, something like, and you just want to have some noise going in the background. Yeah. You can scan that TV and then uh, listen to what's going on there. So wow. uh, it, it's, a, it's a cool idea. I, I always love the, you know, Shazam was like the first one that did this kind of thing, but I always mm -hmm. find these interesting, these ones that can identify songs or, yeah. or, or video from just watching. Yeah, well, I use Soundhound, and that will, which is like Shazam, but it actually takes it a stage further, and it you can actually sing the tune in, and it will try to um, recognize recognize it just from your voice, not just the pre-recorded um, stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's a an app called Declare Task. Actually, it's not an app; it's just a a, a web app called Declare Task. And basically, it's it's like an accountability setup. And I think it's pretty cool. So basically, they're like, tell, text us your next task and its deadline. And use declare tasks for 5 to 20 short-term goals per day. So basically, you can be like, I want to run a mile before the end. Or uh, I want to do 100 push-ups before the end of the day. And then basically, it's going to text you. Or, yeah, it's going to text you with reminders as the deadline approaches. And then you have to confirm by sending proof when you're done. So it's, yeah, I thought this was really clever, and I thought this would actually be really, really good for creative types like me, um, because it, you know when you're you're the sort of when you don't have a boss and you don't have you work for yourself and you have to you know in my case knock out as much 
music as I can during the week, um, it's very easy to get stuck procrastinating. And if if I could have something to egg me on to write more library music, then um, that would really help. Yeah, and, and it's cool because it's also they're asking you to do it in a very short term stuff. So, like one thing, the one example they give us is that uh, I'm going to finish sending this email in five minutes. Mm. So. So then it's going to get right back to you. So this is supposed to like basically stay on your ass all day long, essentially, is what they really want you to be using this wow. for. Wow. So it's good, especially because it works on the concept, too, that I love, which is micro goals, which I think are really helpful. Yes. Yeah. You know, absolutely. So. It's very important. And just reiterate for any new new users, um, Ari's um, <laughs> principle is, you know, people are all into New Year's resolutions. Well, New Year, a whole year, when I was talking to Ari about this, I said, you know, hey, look, you know, my plan for next year is this. And he said, hey, look, mate, you don't deal with years. You do, go by the month, go by the week, whatever. Set yourself micro goals and you will be so much more productive. And it is so true. Absolutely. Just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, no, I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um, so there is a service out of Israel uh, called Like a Glove. And there has been a number of services. <laughs> is, yeah, this is yeah. great. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't be interrupting. So Sorry. A number of services out there that have tried to crack the code on on getting the perfect fit of clothing when you're ordering online. Um, there was a really interesting service that came out, I want to say almost three years ago, where you held up a CD, like a, a compact disc, in front of your body and you took a picture with your camera, with your computer camera. And based on the proportions and everything, it could tell what your size was. And it was, it's pretty accurate. Uh, And there was another, there's others like that where you, you can use the camera. This is a garment and this is, I think it's primarily meant for women, but it's basically a skin tight. uh, I don't know. It's like a mini, it's like a, it's like a little black dress almost not black, but it's like a tiny little dress. And you wear this throughout the day or for an hour or something. And it basically will get, the perfect measurements on everything in your body, your chest, your mm. cup size, your, the, uh, your waist, your hips, everything, just based on you wearing it and moving, which is interesting. That's, so it's not like a static motion because I've had, I've had suits measured for me before where they were great when I was standing and getting measured. And then I feel like when I went to reach for something or I put my hand up, you know, it didn't quite work out. So this is actually getting your measurements while you're moving in your normal way. So basically you wear this and then, this information can be fed into retailers or, or various websites that, that I guess will work with it. And you can get the perfectly fit garment every time. Yeah. Um, Pretty thought, cool. It's called like a glove. Uh, when you see the URL, yeah. I, th- I thought it was, I thought it said Ikea glove, <laughs> but it's not. So oh. <laughs> in case you see that and see Ikea, then uh, anyway. I would yeah, be surprised. Really, yeah, this is also blow your mind. Futuristic. Cool. If it I, works, I, I wouldn't be surprised if IKEA started making clothes at some point. Honestly, well, true, true. Um, so, but yeah, I'm. I can't wait for my wife to try this or something. I mean, do, is there is there one for men as well, or it's really for for, for women that really need that, um, or would really benefit from those crucial, crucial measurements? Well. <laughs> Well, yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, no, it is. Make all, the, all the difference between flattering clothes and not so flattering clothes. Um, carry on. Yeah, so this is something that came up recently where um, it's called homescreen.is, and it's a tool for sharing the home screen <clears throat> and discovering apps. So it's, it's, a, it's an iPhone app, and 
you're sharing your home screen. And it basically, I think it does it sort of periodically. And it's, this is a this is a weird little niche, honestly, but I, I see the use of it. Um, I, I was having a discussion in my mastermind group the other day, and they all wanted to know what apps I use, and so I I did a little video for them and, and, and explained and showed them. But this is basically, and, and I realized that my app usage sort of evolves over time. So what this is doing is sort of showing the apps that people use, and one of the things that I think is interesting about this is that. It's it's interesting to see the combinations of apps that people use. You know, so you might find someone like yourself, Felix, who is really into photography and sound, and your home screen may have some really cool apps that I've never heard of because I'm just sort of like a hobbyist, you know, and I use my Instagram. But you have some app that you use, you know, for really good photo taking that I've never heard of, and so right. It's it's an interesting kind of sharing idea where you can discover apps that other people with other interests are using. So it's almost like curated content for apps. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah I, I actually, I actually saw this. I was very excited, and I've signed up, and I've, I did it this morning. And I installed it, and you take a photo of your screenshot, and the whole thing works through tr- through Twitter. Um, but the weird thing is, is that it seems to only work. Well, I guess because it's based on Twitter, um, I've shared my screen, and that's all there is to it. You just take a photo of your screen. Share screen I'm, actually, I'm actually waiting. It what, what it's doing. Every time I open this app, it basically scans to see if anyone else has shared their screen. Now, people have done this in the past, but I think because it's Twitter-based, it's just following you know its Twitter feed to find out if anyone else has. And when they do, then I'll start seeing their images. But as at the moment... I'm only seeing my screenshot. So uh, I'll keep you updated through this podcast in case there's any new development. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the basic article, but it's very it's a good reminder. There's an article on Mercola.com called The Seven Best Foods You Can Eat. And it's uh, I'll just go through them really quick. So there's grass-fed beef and beef liver. And we've talked about a lot. We've, we've talked about most of this stuff at nauseam, honestly. So I'm just going to mention them as a good reminder. But this article really lays out the vitamins, the reasons. It's really cool. Uh, beef liver is a tough one. I'll just say that. Like, it's one of those. It's one of the pretty much the only things that I cannot make myself eat. But I actually use these uh, beef liver pills. And they're typically used by bodybuilders, but uh, which you can tell when you see the dosage. It's kind of hilarious. But there's uh, these pills that I use that are 100% Argentinian beef liver. And one of the benefits of liver is just that there's just really, really high nutrient density and vitamin content. But uh, most people, well, not, I mean, that's not fair to say, but a lot of people, I think, find the texture of liver to be really unpalatable. So I take these pills. Yes. I actually put them right in my smoothie and blend them up. But it's funny because I use four pills at a time. Um, and if you look at the dosing on it, it's obviously bodybuilder dosing because you're supposed to someone my height and weight would basically be taking like 40 pills a day of this stuff. So, uh, I take four. That's good for my little, my, my liver intake. Uh, yeah. So, uh, okay. Dark leafy greens, uh, pastured eggs, pastured eggs, I think are one of the most amazing things ever. And it's very important that you're seeing more and more. What what are pastured eggs? Pasture. Okay. So pastured eggs. I'm glad you asked. Uh, so a lot of times on, on, egg cartons you'll see pasture raised mm-hmm. uh which is you know but then the the caveat is that a lot of them will also say 
100% vegetarian feed or vegetarian fed. And now that's a bad thing. So what you really want is true free-range eggs where the hens are actually allowed to roam freely outdoors and they can forage for their natural diet. Um, the reason that the 100% vegetarian diet thing is, is kind of a farce is because chickens are not vegetarians. A lot of people don't realize that. Chickens eat insects. They eat worms. They eat you know grubs and everything, really. So right. that's where a lot right. of the protein comes from. And you'll notice it right away. If you get an egg and you go to smack it on the, the pan to break it, if you have to do it twice, that's probably a good free-range egg. But yeah. when you the, the, the shells on those eggs are just so hard, and the yolks are very orange, and it's, it's a totally different taste. So pa- that's what it means by pastured eggs. Okay, yeah. Um, fermented foods. So we, we've, we've talked about that a little bit last time, actually. Fermented foods are going to give you uh, beneficial bacteria. And that's things like even yogurt and uh, kefir or kefir, however you pronounce it, uh, fermented vegetables, pickles. We, you know, we talked about that a little bit last time. Uh, grass-fed butter. So Kerrygold butter from Ireland is like one of the best butters in existence on this land. I, I personally think that butter is one of the big aspects of my healing process in Crohn's. Uh, honestly, and I, I butter's just so so good for you when it's grass fed butter or butter from grass fed cows more appropriately. Right. Uh, uh, wild Alaskan salmon. So salmon is just amazingly high in omega three fatty acids. It it's a, a good fat. So it's just really good for your brain. It's good for all sorts of things. But you don't want the farm fish. You do want the wild Alaskan salmon. And we've talked about sea bear before, which is that salmon that's cooked and it's in the the foil pouch and it's not has to be refrigerated and it's amazing stuff. Oh, it's cooked. Oh yeah, so it's sea bear, and you know we've had Mike Mandel oh, on the show before. Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, so it's like the consistency of tuna fish, basically, and you don't have to refrigerate it, and but there's no preservatives. I mean, it's really incredible the process they've come up with. So, and it's good, and that's I put that stuff on salads. I'll eat it just like plain. It's great. Okay. Because yeah, because sometimes it actually is a little difficult to get fish into your diet on a regular basis. It's a lot, you know, there's so many options for meat. Like you can always, you can grab beef jerky, you can can get salami, but you know, fish is not as easy necessarily. So that's a really good way to do it. Uh, And mushrooms is the last one. So mushrooms is mushrooms are basically, they, they can boost your immune system. They have cancer fighting aspects. They can lower blood pressure. There's all sorts of benefits to, Mushrooms. So that's the list of the seven best foods to eat from Dr. Mercola. And I highly recommend you check out the link in the show notes so that you can see a lot more of the, the details on that. Yeah. Now, yeah, I was Felix surprised has, to see mushrooms in there. Why? Why is that? Well, I mean, I, I just, I, I'm not an expert, but I'm, I don't really know about their, their benefits, really. I didn't know about it. So I just like mushrooms well, a lot. But. I, I give you two examples there's uh, cordyceps and uh, reishi. So cordyceps are basically like Himalayan Sherpas basically like chew on cordyceps and it makes it when you, when you ingest cordyceps mushrooms, it makes it so that you actually can use a lot more of the oxygen in your environment. Like your lungs become more efficient at utilizing oxygen. It's kind of incredible. So you can actually drink uh, cordyceps tea and then go do a workout. And it's, it's pretty incredible. And then a reishi tea, which is from reishi mushrooms actually has blood pressure lowering effects, like significant blood pressure lowering effects. So it's a very calming, relaxing tea. Um, it's, it's the, yeah, there's all sorts of medicinal benefits, but then of course there are a lot of very, very, very poisonous mushrooms. So you really have to know what you're getting. Wow. Don't just, don't just go out foraging for mushrooms. No, no, exactly. Kind of of the opposite over here. Yes, exactly. So, but you have two cool links. 
yes, I do. Um, well, one of them is a standing desk, which will has its own like built-in timer, and it lights up and tells you when to uh, when to stand up or when to sit down. So it's you know it's not trying to force you to uh, stand up the whole time. It, it has a built-in motor, and it will come up and raise up and down. Um, this is the Mister. That's right, the Mister Bright Light Standing Desk. And um, love it. So um, I don't use a standing desk just because I think it would be far too complicated with all of my musical equipment to. Um, well, you also need to use your feet, right? I mean, you have your your foot pedals and stuff, don't you? That's true, but that that would be possible that I could still do that standing up. Um, but I just um, it's too complicated with all of my gear. Um, you know, I've got a recording studio here. Um, and the other thing is I wanted to share are some um, some um, natural remedies for an upset upset stomach. Recently had a, um, a you know fairly minor episode of a upset stomach, and um, and the following day I you know I had that acidic feeling I in my stomach it just my stomach just hurt and so I looked this up and. There are some of the things here that I found really helped, and they were mostly um, the things I made were some rice tea, which is basically just cooking some rice, um, boiling some rice, and actually drinking the water. Which I know sounds gross, but when you mix it in with a bit of uh, a bit of honey, um, it's actually really good, and it really made uh, it really made my um, stomach feel really good. Um, what else I do? Burnt toast is one of the things there. Um, surprisingly enough, apple cider vinegar mixed with some honey um, will alleviate cramping. Uh, I didn't try that, but this was good. The the crap diet, the C R A P diet, is good, and I did this really helped. Um, and this is that's the craps um, is a. Um, Stands for cherries, raisins, um, apricots, and prunes. And I had a nibble on those, and that really soothed. Anyway, there are a few more things in there, but um, check it out. Nice. I like it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening in this time, guys. Everybody enjoy the interview with Dean Jackson, and I hope to see you at the live event where you can see Dean in person. Have a good one. Cool. See you then. Thank you. And now for feature interview. So now I'm speaking with Dean Jackson, who is co-creator and founder of the I Love Marketing podcast, which is the number one marketing podcast in the world that he does with Joe Polish. And uh, Dean, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks, Ari. Always exciting. So I... I met you for the first time at Joe's annual event, and you know, you and I have a lot more in common than I had realized originally in terms of our interests. As you said before we got on this recording, that you are a lifestyle fetishist. Yes, so, <laughs> so before we, because I want to talk about your friction-free lifestyle and all that stuff. But how did I love marketing podcast? How did the podcast sort of come about? What got you to that point? Well, you know what? I mean, so I've known Joe for uh, almost twenty years now—seventeen or eighteen years. We've been having just great conversations about marketing for all of those years. And one year around Christmas time, we were having one of those conversations. And in that conversation, Joe said that he had just got the domain name, I Love Marketing. And I thought, you know, we both said, wow, that, that, that would be like a great 
podcast and we kind of talked about what it would be, you know, like to just record the conversations that we have all the time. And if I think if people have listened to I Love Marketing, they'll see it's, it's uh, you know, it's not highly produced. It's really, you know, just voyeuring in on on these conversations that we've been having for uh, for 20 years. And it's been really fun. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's so this has been an interesting sort of, I guess, awakening is the right word for me, because six months ago, I can honestly say, like, I especially looking back, I knew nothing about marketing. It's mm-hmm. kind of insane, actually, how little I knew about marketing. And I think part of that was was unfortunately reinforced by the fact that throughout my entire entrepreneurial life, every business that I've ever had has always been a referral kind of business and a word of mouth kind of business. And I almost never had to really go out and scale things. I think it was it was like a comfortable place almost. But now that I have less doing and I really want this message to reach the world in terms of how they can be more effective, I've had to really kind of step it up. And my honestly, my introduction to this has been Joe and you and some of the amazing people that I've met at the Genius Network events and stuff like that. So it, it's I'm almost awed now by people who get marketing so well. <laughs> so well, you know, I think you'll find marketing, because it's so leverageable, it's like the perfect complement to a lifestyle fetish. I mean, it's really... It just supports it so well. Well, absolutely. And and the thing is, it's almost like with a lot of less doing stuff too, where I can tell people that, you know, you can work very efficiently and only work a couple of days a week or, you know, all this stuff. There, there are definitely different ways to look at that. It's like, are you working efficiently or are you being lazy? You know, it's like, it's sort of all about how you frame it and how you kind of market it. Right. So there was something recently that I saw of yours that I, that a, a bunch of people I actually talked about to me that, it was really cool, which is the nine word email. Right. So you want to talk about efficiency, right? You know, I, I you should see most of the emails that I send to people. If it, for people who don't know me, they probably would come off as seeming kind of curt. And I've sent several one word emails to assistants and to, <laughs> you know, family and friends. And it's not because I'm being rude. It's because I'm being efficient. I'm right. to the point, you know, so talk about how that the nine word email kind of came about and what it is. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, that's what it is, is very efficient. Is I realized that, you know, email is the electronic equivalent of a conversation because it's very intimate. It's one person to one person, different than, say, a blog post or a podcast or, um, you know, a broadcast type of email. Uh, you know, email has the... Um, you know, the distinction of, of being very intimate and one person to one person. It's something where it's kind of non-intrusive, but everybody gets it. I mean, if you've seen the latest stats on how often people are checking their phones and checking email, if you send an email to one person that is um, short, personal, and expecting a reply, you'd be amazed at how often you get a reply. So, so it's really just starting and, and thinking um, with the end in mind, because really you just want to be involved in a in a dialogue with people. That's a that's a good point. That's a good way of looking at it too. And I like that is the end goal is sort of the way of looking at it. But uh, so, can, but could you give an example actually of like one of these nine word emails? Sure. So you know, I developed it. the the very first one was with um, some of my real estate clients, and you know, they have people who come in, and real estate's kind of. Uh, 
long gestation period between the time somebody starts researching and when they actually do something. So you know, often you'll have people who came to the website and maybe inquired about something or left their email, you know, 90 days or six months or, or more ago. And so typically if you can, um, you know, respond or send a quick email to somebody who's been in your world for uh, more than 90 days and just ask a simple question. All we sent was we put Ari in the subject line and then the body of the email just said, um, are you still looking for a house in Georgetown? Yeah. That's a simple email, right? If, especially contextually. If somebody has inquired about something, um, it's such a, it just makes so much sense to send an email like that. And the, the temptation, of course, is to want to add more to it and to solve the mystery. And the mystery is the reason why people respond. Like so often the temptation is to send, are you still looking for a house in Georgetown? Because if you are, I've got blah, 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 blah. And here's three images and here's the whole yeah. template of my newsletter. <laughs> exactly. But if you say, are you still looking for a house in Georgetown? You know, the implication, if you're saying still, you know, you're only speaking to the five-star prospects. You're only, you're there. The context is that it implies that at one point they were looking for a house in Georgetown. And it, it's like, you know that. So if they still are looking for a house in Georgetown, they're going to respond and say, Yes. Yeah, I like that. Actually, the still that's I didn't even catch that part of it. Honestly, that's really mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they're almost uh, mentally they're almost self-qualifying if they're going to even respond. Right. And, you know, that's part of the thing is that you you got to imagine you got to think like a chess master with this and know that three moves from now where you're where this conversation is going to be. And you are only speaking to the people who are highly likely to be your five-star prospects, you know, the, the people who are the most likely to, to work with you. So you just want to use it as kind of a sorter. Well, that's 80-20 marketing, right? Yeah, exactly. So how, what do you focus, I know that you have a lot of programs and you're doing a lot of consulting stuff, but what do you sort of focus your time on? What's that 80-20 for you? So, you know, I, I've got like an overarching, um, you know, umbrella of helping entrepreneurs make more money and that kind of getting that context right for, for most uh, people is just such a, a clarifier, you know? So if I look at the, the universe or the, the world that I'm playing in is called, I help entrepreneurs make more money, then that opens up all of these different ways that I can do that all the way from our free podcast at isleofmarketing.com to, you know, expensive masterminds where we're working one-on-one -on -one, um, or in small groups with people. And so I'm just constantly, I, I've got this love for marketing and, um, you know, spending, it, taking even the long view, like the, the, 25 year view on this is that's the thing that's going to keep me, you know, fascinated and motivated for, for the next 25 years. So there's so much, um, opportunity with that. My, my thing is about creating content and, and building relationships, you know? 
Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about content for a second because the the one of the things that I've been sort of eye opened to in this this new world of marketing too is copywriting, right? Mm-hmm. And to, it, it's again, this is like fascinating to me for someone who never even paid attention to this or looked at this before. But the the good copywriting versus bad copywriting is amazing. And when I look at the emails that I used to send out and the emails that are now sent out to my list and stuff, that first of all, the responses obviously now are much better, but it's just kind of amazing to see. And it's not about being, you know, underhanded or salesy or whatever. It's, it's, it goes from, in my opinion, you're going to correct me. I hope if this is wrong, but it goes from being in a position where you're trying to show people necessarily like what you love or what you want to show them to really getting to their soul and hear, you know, like hearing what they want on and, and, and sort of like solving a pain point. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, it all comes down to, um, understanding, picking who your, your target audience is, who, who you want to be a hero to, as Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach would say, and understanding what that means. What would be a dream come true for them? And then just kind of going, um, you know, moving forward in helping them get what they want. Um, and that's really, I mean, it's a simplified version, but that's really the truth. I mean, it's never about what, what, um, what you want as much as it is about helping people get what they want. Sure. So, I mean, is there, uh, for people who are sort of new to this or something, where do, where do you sort of point people other than hiring a copywriter right away? How do people sort of learn a little bit to get on that path? Well, I think that the first thing, and, and this, uh, it, it's going to, I don't want it to sound dismissive about copywriting at all, but the the first and more important thing is focusing on being able to get a result for people. Um, you know, setting up a system that can dependably help somebody get something that they want. We had um, Tony Robbins on on I Love Marketing, and one of the things that that he said was really interesting to me because you've heard it and it kind of like slides under your radar for all of these years. Peter Drucker said very famously that the only two things in business that matter are marketing and innovation and everything else is an expense. Now, when you look at it, you know, as marketers, we kind of rest easy under that umbrella of, well, we're in marketing. So we're in one of the things that, that matter and kind of, um, I used to think about innovation as, well, that's like, you know, laboratory stuff and, and, uh, you know, science and, and all of those kind of things. And when Tony said, you know, we asked him how, what made you kind of fall in love with marketing. And he said, well, I never really did like marketing, but I love people and I love getting results. So I focused on that. And, you know, it's just so kind of um, profound when you really think about it, that if you really focus on being able to to get a result for people, meaning helping them, um, you know, make more money or, or make their life better in some way, and you can, you know, really predictably with certainty get that result for people. That makes your marketing so much more powerful because the more certain you are in your ability to get a result for somebody, the more confident 
confident you are and the better offer that you're able to make. And offers are really the thing that drive marketing. You know, it's more important. That's the what you're saying than the how you're saying it. And so often people get caught up in thinking, I've got to become a better copywriter so I can, so I know how to, how to say things. But really great copy can't hide what you're saying, you know, and the offer is really what you're saying. So I, that, that's kind of a, um, you know, a roundabout way of saying that the most important thing that drives marketing is really being confident and certain about your ability to get the result that, that people actually want. And then it's easy to communicate it because <laughs> you're able to make killer offers. Sure. No, that I, I, I think that's a very good way to frame it. So uh, something I want to ask you about specifically that I know that a lot of people listening are writers and maybe authors already, but we got to talk about the 90 minute book. Of course. <laughs> well, there's the thing, right? So you notice a pattern with me, the nine word email yeah. <laughs> nine minute book. And I think what you notice is that I'm really about getting the best result with the least amount of effort. Right. Yes. And, you know, so the 90 minute book came out of my, um, you know, I've been working on, on creating these books for myself. And then I built a whole team around um, being able to provide this service for other people. But what I really found is, you know, we talked about the 80-20 and, and Dan Sullivan has a unique um, concept that he calls the 80% approach, which is kind of a corollary of, of the 80-20 that most of the value comes from that first 80%. You know, it's like 80% is, is often enough in most situations, like going from zero to 80 is is a, a big thing. So what I found was that if you want to use a book as a marketing tool, and it's it's still it's a fantastic thing because it's still perceived as very high value, as very credible. Um, and if so, if you have a a killer title that promises a benefit that your audience would really want to have, it's almost as if result for them. And you've got a book and you've got a way for people to uh, a mechanism for people to get it. It's very, very powerful. And the thing that I realized is that the title and the fact that you have a book is that's the 80%, you know, and you don't, they don't know when, when people are asking for the book, they're making their decision on it based on the value perception of what they're, what, what's being offered. And they don't know whether it's 50 pages or 250 pages, you know, and, and I think that if you can get your message across, start the conversation with a 50 page book, that that's really the book has done its job in your marketing. Um, if you've if you're able to start a conversation with people, and, you know, and the fact is not. Not many people are reading, you know, all of a 250 page book anyway, you know, so if you can start the conversation and you've got somewhere to go with it, that it's, it's really a powerful, uh, it's really a powerful tool. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And uh, it's interesting for me too, because my 
book, and I have to do air quotes, but my book writing process is not what I would consider to be a typical one. I've, I've done a couple books where I literally recorded an hour of mm. just talking and somebody had to sort of turn that into a book for me as a ghostwriter and then sort of several iterations of that because I don't consider myself to be a good writer, but I do have mm. content to share that I think is good. And that's part of it, right? That's the thing is finding out what your, most people are much more comfortable talking about something. And if you can, um, you know, it's so funny because I used to try and write things like that too. And I don't, I've got ADD and it's hard for me to focus. And I would see, you know, I would block off time to write and, you know, it's always, a block. So I just kind of changed the verbs for me on that, right? Like I find that when you get blocked on something, it's really that it's a verb problem for me. I'm saying to do the, the wrong thing. Writing sounds intimidating. So I back it all the way up to the start of the process is brainstorm because everybody is comfortable brainstorming. It feels comfortable, right? It feels like I can just get going right now. So if I'm ever blocked, I, I go to brainstorm. And then the next up on that list is outline. And then the next is record. And then the next is edit. And those are the four verbs for me for creating content. Brainstorm, outline, record, edit. That's it. You know, it's it's such a funny way to frame it. Funny for me because when I deal with people who haven't done much outsourcing or much delegating or much automation, I find that they try to go too deep too quick Mm. or too quickly. And you're not. And a lot of times you have to really back them up. And and one of the things, for instance, I was talking to somebody recently about marketing their podcast, and he was saying that he basically he he was like, I want to try to find a way that I can get people to. Uh, share it and then fill out a, a quiz so that I know that they actually listen to it and and all this detail. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> you just want people to compete to see who can create the best marketing plan for your podcast. That's what you want to do. Don't mm. get into the other details. Don't tell them how to do their job. Mm. So, uh, and that's why actually I wrote a post a long time ago on my blog about the benefits of being vague sometimes because I, I talk ad nauseum about how to identify your processes and make them you know crystal clear. But there are times when you don't want to tell a virtual assistant or a graphic designer how to do their job. You know, right. and that 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 becomes a really easy trap for some people. So it's like, you know, don't tell them that the text needs to go here and has to be this font. Tell them what you want, what you're looking for, and then let them come back to you with what they can provide. Right. So anyway, well, how did the uh, the friction free lifestyle come about? That the the the, uh, the whole concept. <laughs> well, that was a uh, out of conversations with um, a good friend who. who passed away in, in 2002, uh, Thomas Leonard. And Thomas is the guy who's, you know, pretty much, um, you know, credited as being like the founder of the modern coaching movement. He started Coach University and, and the, um, help, you know, create the kind of governing body or the stuff for um, coaching and started coachville.com. And we, we did um, a, a program called A Perfect Life. And one of the things that was, um, you know, a part of that is removing friction from your everyday life, you know? So anytime there's friction or anything that slows down a process or is, uh, something Thomas would call a toleration, something that you're kind of, you know, it's there, but it's not bugging you enough to, 
to do something about it, um, that's an evidence of friction in your life, you know? And so it's really kind of looking at all of the things that are going on around you and kind of sanding off the the rough edges or, or the things that slow you down the catching points and making things just run smoothly, you know? So what, how does that, what are some examples of how that sort of plays out in your regular, your daily life? So, okay. So, you know, probably one of the things I've been talking about lately is I, um, I have, I'm constantly vigilant for things that are some sort of uh, friction in my life. And so one night I was, I take uh, melatonin to, to sleep one night I was there and, um, I was in bed and you know, when you, you get under the covers and you're tired and you want to go to sleep. And then I was going to take my melatonin. I realized I didn't have any water. So I had to get up and go out into the kitchen and, and get some water and come back and take the melatonin. And I, that had happened, you know, two or three times. And I realized then, okay, that's, this is friction. I need to set up a solution around that. So I, I dedicated the bottom drawer of my night stand to be a bottomless supply of these little water bottles, like the little splits that you get at hotels. And I had my assistant, Courtney, um, you know, set that up as a, a system. So now the bottom drawer of my nightstand is constantly full of these little um, water bottles. So I removed that friction permanently of ever having to get um, water. You know, so there's all kinds of things like that, like uh, in my garage, when I, I pull into my car, you know, we all sometimes papers accumulate, things get, get um, you know, you're in your car and there's um, mail and, and, you know, drinks and at bottle, water bottles, all kinds of stuff that accumulate in your car. And so I had um, Courtney set up a, you know, round, um, you know, big garbage um, can right by the door of my car. So now I drive in and I can open the door and literally without getting out of the car, I can take whatever papers, whatever things are there and throw them in the garbage can effortlessly with no friction, you know, just little things like that. But they sound kind of, um, um, I don't know, they may sound small, but when you are constantly on the lookout for those things and you're constantly setting up a, a systemic solution for them that solves them once and for all, uh, it, it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and part of my struggle sometimes with people is getting them into that mindset Mm-hmm. to look for those issues that they can face. You know, for me, my sort of, my general rules are that if it, if I do it more than twice, if it takes me more than five minutes, or if I don't like doing it, those are things where I need to stop and say, wait a minute, there must be a better way. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. So, and that, that surprises people sometimes. The five minute one is an interesting one because there are very few things that I find now that, you know, other than very enjoyable personal stuff, but there are, there are things that, I don't try, like if it's going to take me more than five minutes, it really is something that I need to look at because first of all, I believe that if you're efficient, you can get a lot done in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do a workout in five minutes if you really know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, content creation, which is what I love to do, which is what my you know my absolute unique ability is, is something that I'll do for hours and hours a day if I can. Yeah. But everything else, I really have to take a hard look if it's taking me more than five minutes to do it. 
Mm-hmm. So, okay. So this has been, this is awesome. And I mean, it's just it's such aligned thinking that it's great. But the last question that I always like to ask on the podcast is what are your top three personal tips for people to be more effective? And you can interpret that however you like. Sure. So I think that there are, and, and it just so happens that, you know, I, I think about this kind of stuff a lot. And I think that if you, uh, whatever you term being effective to mean, if you're not being effective, I find that it is um, one of three things. Number one is clarity. And clarity is knowing what it is that you want to do. Often people, um, they procrastinate or they're not effective when they're not crystal clear on what their outcome is. So I, if I find myself doing something like that, I look at it and I say, am I crystal clear on what I want to accomplish or what I want to be effective at? Then the next is they don't have the energy for it. They may be in a low energy day or a low energy uh, period. So I think getting um, great sleep, getting, uh, you know, going for a walk, changing your physiology, getting the right energy to be able to do something is the, is the second most powerful thing. And then focus and the, you know, focusing time for me, it's important to cut out all the um, distractions and all the reactive activators that I call them, you know, people and email and telephone and your thoughts. And so I, I work in 50 minute focus finders where I, I spend time away from, from all of those distractions, setting a timer, using focus at will as the background um, um, yeah, we've that. talked about that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm able to to uh, to get everything done and be be effective. Those are those are my three things. Uh, those and those are great ones. So, it, where can people find out more about you, the the, the programs that you offer, the coaching that you do? Sure. So, um, ilovemarketing.com is is a great place to start. Uh, we have a, a ebook there called Breakthrough DNA, which explains the eight profit activators that you can trigger in your business starting right now. That's available right there at ilovemarketing.com. And that'll bring you into our world and uh, everything will happen from there. Okay. Well, Dean, thank you so much. It's been really great talking to you. Awesome. Thanks. Sorry. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing Podcast. If you want to find out more information of the show, we would love to hear from you. You can go to lessdoing.com where you can look at Ari's blog, see the show notes for this episode, and also look at all the other episodes before this. If you want to send us a voicemail, we would love to hear from you and we'll play it on the show. You go to lessdoing.com, click on contact, and look on the right side of the page where you'll see a, a send voicemail button. Click on that and go ahead and record an audio message for us. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ari's Twitter handle is at Ari Mizell, and mine is at Felix Bird. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.